0: I on the Illini the podcast series brought to you by IlliniGuys.com and you know what we are having so much fun with this new website IlliniGuys.com if you have not uh, jumped in uh, give it a try. Free seven-day trial. We'll talk more about that later on at the end right now. Um, you know, here we are. It is uh, springtime, right in the middle of spring, and it means we're out of basketball season, not quite in football season when it comes to University of Illinois. And so we get to have a fun uh, have fun talking about a lot of different things. And we're going to do that today. Talking about the transfer portal, Illini guy, Mike Cagley, Illini guy, Connor Cagley, both with me, Larry Smith. Um, and Mike, I want to start with you, um, the transfer portal and, uh, you know, started by COVID in terms of the free year that's been given and kind of the rules relaxed in terms of, uh, of transferring between schools, but we're about to see a real big change where this is going to kind of be here to stay in, in some respects. You wrote an article recently on the website, alaniGuys.com, um, take us through for a moment and, and maybe talk about the article and, um, kind of just some initial thoughts, about how this is, uh, and we'll get into a conversation about how this has changed the game.
1: Yeah. um, This is an interesting uh, premise here because the transfer portal uh, with its immediate eligibility coupled with the extra year of uh, eligibility that COVID uh, provides has really kind of changed the dynamic of roster construction. And, you know, as a guy who's a huge history buff, and I know Larry, you are too, um, you know, I listen to things like Dan Carlin's Hardcore History and, and you know, you read books on that and, and you look at the old statement, you know, is uh, generals are always capable of fighting the last war. And that works fine in an era when the technological advancement is slow and there isn't a lot of innovation, so if you think about it, the rules for college basketball really haven't changed, or college football for that matter, haven't changed for decades. Um, and so you have coaches like Shashevsky, who's kind of operated pretty much one way. I mean, the only thing that we have really had change in basketball is the two years that you had to stay earlier to, to go pro and then, you know, back to... You know, you could go pro right away, and and now we're at the you know the one year type of deal. But for the most part, there hasn't been a lot of change in the rules. Now all of a sudden, this really um, this this change of the transfer portal and the extra year, it's kind of like the differences that generals face nowadays when there are weapon systems. You know, now in twenty twenty one that didn't even exist in 2003 when, when, you know, people went over to Iraq. So when there's high change like this, you need to have coaching staffs that are evaluating, you know, um, you know, what are the changes? What do we need to do differently because of the changes? And then kind of map out how your, you know, your plan is working. And then, tweak your plan based on the results that you're getting. And this is something when it really hit me when Roy Williams you know, um, stepped down at UNC and kind of said, I no longer feel like I'm the right man for the job. To me, that reminded me of some of those generals at the start of World War I who were trying to use civil war tactics on the battlefield and the new technology just chewed up those, those tactics, and they needed to do something different. And at the same time, for those of you who are listening to us, you want to do uh, to listen to another uh, podcast from the Illini guys, sturdy for 30 recently had on coach Underwood and coach talked about, you know, some of the changes that they were contemplating based on the transfer portal And it got me to thinking because obviously coach was giving you, you know, 30,000 foot view, but it got me thinking, you know, as somebody who's looking from the outside, what would I do differently? And boy, that transfer portal, it's going to put a premium on the folks who can um, really analyze these things and make changes that are necessary uh, to be successful.
0: You know, I think that's um, you bring up, that's a really good way to, to set this up, and and it's funny that I I don't know if North Carolina is the epicenter of this, but I you're right that I think we may look back in ten years and say Roy Williams was the first casualty of this. Um, it's been written by some some North Carolina reporters that uh, the five star center Walker Kessler leaving the program immediately afterwards because of, he didn't have any playing time. He was recruited over as Dayron Sharp got the playing time. So Kessler leaves. He's a five-star seven-footer who can hit threes. I mean, he was on the USA national team. I mean, the kid is unbelievable. Great lineage. His uncle played in the NBA. Um, You know, his uncle, his dad, his brother all played for Georgia. Um, They're a family that likes to stay close and local. He winds up at what was, you could argue his number two choice in Auburn. And Bruce Pearl recruited him out of high school and lost that battle. So it changes recruiting. And Connor, I know you follow this too. Um, it changes recruiting because now you're recruiting a kid, not just for now, but you want to build that relationship for later in case he decides that it turns out his first
2: choice wasn't a good one. Would a hundred percent agree. Um, the the ability to keep those relationships with kids that you've recruited year maybe two, even three years ago is going to be, um, a huge thing. Uh, there have been, you know, reported that EJ Liddell could have serious injur- uh, interest in, uh, combing back to Illinois. And while I'm not really, uh, a believer in thinking that that's going to be somehow happening, uh, potentially if that relationship was kept, if he decides to transfer, Illinois could have a leg up in that recruitment. Um, that's just an example of this, but, uh, you're exactly right that you're almost going to be just wanting to talk to everybody just in case. And if you have people that are going to be available, uh, there are going to be teams that are going to take advantage of that. Well, we just saw as well, um, just hours before we sat down to
0: record this podcast tonight, um, the Iowa guard, CJ Frederick, um, agreed to go to Kentucky. Now, you know, it's, you could argue that he kind of, thought he was probably going to go there all along. Um, but here's a kid who was actually from Kentucky was the Gatorade player of the year. But, you know, in, in the way that BBN operates and, in UK, he was only ranked like 250th out of his class. Uh, so even though he was a Kentucky player of the year, I'm not sure that he got a very long look from John Calipari, but he goes to Iowa and shoots 47% from three. And he's, Probably in the starting lineup next year, so it's to that point again. It's funny how fortunes
1: can change, even with players. Well, and and if if Chin Coleman ends up as one of the assistant coaches at Kentucky, like we think, you know, it's probably the relationship between CJ and Ken, and Chin that that won him over. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly, you, obviously, you know, you can't talk to um, a player on another team. But how you leave that relationship when you're told as a coach, when you're told, hey, I'm going to another university, how you respond to that and where you lay that that you know, lay it down at that moment in time could be a huge factor a year or two later when that person is looking to go somewhere else. And boy, you know, this is probably, you know, Connor hit on something that that is really true because you may only be looking to sign a much lower number of high school recruits in any given year with the transfer portal, but you need to have a lot of good relationships because of the transfer portal. It's an interesting conundrum that coaches will have to think of.
0: That's exactly right. And, and again, to further explain that, that, that we talked at the beginning, this is something that, um, you know, was set up to happen only for this year because of COVID. Um, for those who maybe don't follow the game as close, you hear the term super senior this year. That's a player that had their four years eligibility and came back for a fifth year, and now the transfer portal, what normally happens, again, if you don't follow closely, is if you transfer schools, you're forced to sit out a redshirt year. That's kind of a penalty for transferring. Now you don't have to do that, and that's going to continue now. Um, and Mike, as you were just talking about, you can transfer. You have one free transfer. So you could transfer without sitting out once. And to your point, now that's going to, to change the game because, um, and as this is what Brad Underwood, you referred to in this podcast in 30 for 30, Um, you know, why go for the kid as a freshman that's going to sit on your bench and develop for two years when you can instead go let him go somewhere else and develop while you go get a kid who can play right now for you and contribute for you. And if that player pans out, well, they have one free transfer. And so they can come join your team at any time. The kid you bring in as a transfer doesn't have that. So if he leaves you, he has a penalty of sitting out. So you do really kind of weed through that and it is going to change the game. As you mentioned in your article, that was very well done at IlliniGuys.com. It changes the game all the way around and you can already see coaches like Brad Underwood changing their approach.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you, do you bring in um, a player that you're not certain for whatever reason he can um, challenge for playing time? Because if he's not going to challenge for playing time, do you spend all these man hours coaching him up, so to speak, only to have those, uh, that hard work be um, profited on by the next team because this player is frustrated that he didn't make it onto the court. So therefore, he's going to use his free transfer with no uh, sitting out a year. And, you know, all that time, effort and energy was wasted. And um, the other thing that you see is, is even when you look at Kentucky and Duke, both who are proponents of the super freshman teams, they haven't won a ton for quite a period of time in terms of winning those national titles, which starts to say maybe older, more experienced teams are the way you want to go, which points you to the transfer portal again. And um, I don't think we'll see players that coaches are not certain of getting recruited, at least to the, to the teams that are at the top of the big five, the P5 conferences. The other thing I think we won't see is the traditional big man project. you know, the guy that looks like he needs 30 pounds might need a lesson so that he can coordinate walking and chewing gum at the same time, but he's seven foot two. Um, Those type of players, I think you will see. um, I just don't think you're going to see them on the, again, on the power five conferences on those rosters of the top schools. You might see them on a team that's, that's at the bottom of a conference and certainly teams just to use, you know, Illinois centric here, Teams like Southern Illinois University and Illinois State and even the dreaded Loyola of Chicago might actually get a little taller as some of these guys go there to kind of learn the game. And they may have a plan that, you know, in their, you know, they, they redshirt a year and then maybe going into their redshirt junior year, they use that transfer rule to go to a Illinois or a Michigan State or wherever you think you need to be to prove to the guys in the NBA that you can compete and get that resume ready.
0: I on the Illini. I'm going to get to, I got a question for Connor. Connor, you got to jump in. I, I've got a question for you, but go ahead.
2: Um, I'm kind of curious as to whether or not this is going to be kind of the, the boom per se, in terms of like, is this going to be the height that it gets to? Uh, is it going to rise from whatever percent that it is because this is, there can't be much more kids leaving. I mean, half of Baylor's rotation in their national title team was transfers from other schools. And if they have four before that happens, are we going to start getting to six or even seven or a full roster full of all transfers on a team that wins a national title? um obviously Baylor probably took more advantage than most teams did before this uh rule got put in place but I don't think that a lot of teams are going to be putting maybe that amount I think that might be like the maximum for uh D1 programs is half of your rotation but I'm just with that percentage already leaving that means that of the people that are entering college next year that's a lot of people that aren't going to be able to transfer again without having to sit out. And that uh, is certainly going to keep kids from wanting to do it twice.
0: Connor, that's a great point. And I want to follow up on that with you. Um, Don't you think, however, that what Baylor did and the fact that they were now, we're talking now five years in a row, we've had national champions who were older, right, a little more seasoned do you think what Baylor did becomes the new prototype? You know, where what John Calipari did with Kentucky in 2012 with the one and dones that brings on Duke going the one and done route and they get a title out of it. And that was the last title of a one and done. Now we haven't, we don't see one and dones anymore. You had Villadova in two titles in three years with Jalen Brunson as the point guard. Um, we've seen the last couple of years with uh, Virginia in 2019 with, I believe, only one five-star kid on there, Guy, and he stayed two years. And then, of course, this year with Baylor, did, did Baylor's win? Does that kind of become the new, are they the new it girl in college basketball?
2: See, I was kind of curious, even before um, coming into this season, I've been following Baylor a lot because I knew they were going to be really good this year. They were really good the year before, before um, the season was canceled, before conference tournaments. And uh, I'd look at who he's offering going forward for recruiting in the next class or even two into the future to see kind of what Scott Drew is doing as a plan moving forward. And uh, his his plan is kind of interesting in regards to what he is doing. He's still adding uh, a transfer or two into his roster, but nothing uh, too crazy out of out of this world in terms of like, he's not adding five this off season, but what he's doing is he's recruiting one or two, five stars. And then he's going after two to three kids in maybe the 50 to 75 range. And he's really just kind of finding a couple kids that he thinks can buy into being maybe not in the starting lineup, but kind of working their way into the rotation in terms of those are where the 50 to 75 range kids will be at in his rotation and then the five stars will immediately be inserted into his rotation those kids are coming in playing so he's not going to be and I I think this is his kind of the next step I don't think that he he was taking the transfers previously but I don't think that he's going to be doing that as often I think he's going to be wanting two to three transfers one or two five stars maybe maybe another one if he's lucky in a specific recruiting class and then three to four top 50 players to 50 to 75 range. And I think that that's kind of how he's going to be looking for his eight to nine man rotation in terms of layout. And I think that's where most teams should. And I think that's what Illinois, if you look at the way their offers are set up for the next two to three classes, that's the way we've kind of been offering kids as well. And I think this is the path that I think Kentucky or even Duke have kind of went off the deep end in terms of trying to get too many five stars, then they're all fighting for playing time the same year. And then you lose half of them and they never truly look good together because they're all young and all trying to be the alpha dog. Whereas the, the 50 to 75 kids realize what they're doing and that they're going to have a year or even two developing at the the bottom of the rotation before they work their way into being a starter or even the star of the team, like a Jared Butler or Davion Mitchell.
0: What what a concept, actually earning some playing time. thats I've never heard of that before. Um, I on the Illini, uh, you're listening to the podcast here, Illini Larry, talking with Illini Mike and Illini Connor, talking about the tra- transfer portal. We're going to get to um, some assistant coach news here in just a moment. But I want to ask you both a question. And Connor, let me go and start with you, um, since, since you had the floor still. Here's the other piece of this. Do you think that this is going to create, as we look forward – six, eight, 10 years down the line, um, almost a minor league of college basketball because, and I think of where I went to school and that's down at, at EIU. We had this, you know, overweight seven footer who slipped through the cracks. It wasn't athletic enough out of uh Thorpe Ridge high school in Dalton named Kevin Duckworth who developed over four years and became an all-star in the NBA for years. And uh, may he rest in peace. Um, A player like that doesn't finish four years at Eastern Illinois in today's system. Uh, He plays two years and then he goes to a P5 school somewhere. So, you know, let me ask you both in terms of, are we, are we, is this the beginning on the other side of this? We've talked about the power five schools and the big boys, on the other side, is this a situation where the directional schools and some of the lower mid-major schools become theater programs?
2: I realistically could see that working almost exactly like that. And there's only one part of the argument that I think could end up kind of being the the uh, the mirror image of it from the... Uh, power five going down to the, the lower level kind of ISU mid-major type schools. And while you're going to have the guys that develop really well and they originally choose the those type of schools, the ISUs, the, the Cameron Crutwigs at Loyola, they might come later on junior, senior year and decide to take the next step up. But you're always going to have the potential where what if a guy is at Illinois and he doesn't get playing time in the first year. And while he wants to transfer out to another power five school, he's not really sure that he can get immediate playing time even there. So he decides he wants to go to that type of a uh, directional school and he transfers down early because he knows he can get playing time there and he becomes a star at that level and schools will find you. I, I know that people Uh, Jason Preston is getting found at Ohio. There's a guy from Marshall that is going to get drafted uh, late first, early second round. Uh, I mean, you can get drafted at that level. Uh, Paul George was at, I know it's uh, a smaller school in California. Kawhi Leonard was at San Diego State. He probably could have gone power five. Uh, These these same type of kids are going to be, you can get found at that level. And kids that maybe don't, go to the school that they can get playing time immediately, there will be a couple that will also go the opposite route and and find out that they want to transfer from the power five schools down a level because they want to get playing time. Now, is that going to be as many as are going to be your route, which is going to be the kids that are growing up playing on the younger level or the the lower level, and you decide, oh, Duke's calling me as a junior and a senior. And you just decide you want to take the step up. I don't know if it'll be as many as that. So it could end up being where it gets balanced or it could be uneven and it ends up being the worst of the two.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the real interesting a couple a couple of things come to mind. Cause I, I do think what you guys are talking about is probably the the path that we'll see. Um, as a coach, it will be really interesting if if the classes end up every year, let's say like Illinois ends up signing two freshmen every year and then go into the portal for instead of, you know, an average of three or four, you know, people, but with the transfer portal making things more, you know, more movement, you know, if Illinois has uh, two freshmen and three transfers in a given year and they lose a person or two, Um, you know, you could see a roster that has very, that's, you know, much less uh, weight on people who've actually going to spend their four years in Illinois. Um, And the other thing I think you will see is the crazy parents um, will be a turn off unless the guy is a one and done that, you know, is good enough to go to the NBA. There is no point in listening to a parent who let's say thinks that their kid should be a point guard, even though the, the child doesn't show the ability to ball handle at that level, and then moves him to another you know school, like maybe in the SEC conference, because they want to avoid playing with a good point guard. And when, when there's a parent or a, or a support group around a kid like that, as, as a coach, you got to be thinking, I'm not going to waste my time on this when you're recruiting them in high school. You know, it, it, there's other recruits who, whose dads were famous in a metropolitan area for being crazy. You know, this guy's just, just he's like the, he's, he's the uh, Uber, every bad story about a over-excited you know, excited parent. And, and I think those type of players, I don't see P5 schools looking at unless they're Cade Cunningham level guys. And I'm not saying Cade Cunningham was that, but I mean, if, if you're going to be a top five pick, then they'll tolerate that, that crazy parent because the player will go pro and then the transfer portal becomes irrelevant. But if you're talking about somebody who's a player, who's going to be in college anywhere from three to you know to four years, there's you, you can't have the crazy parent because you'll lose them after the first year. And if you somehow save them at the end of the first year, most likely the second year, you know, you're going to lose them for sure. Um, the other thing I think is, is if I was looking as a, as a coach, I would be looking to find a uh, another position on my staff that is literally going to be somebody who tracks the people that we recruited and watches their performance in college, even though they chose other teams, watches their performance in college, takes notes, figures out how they're doing, what they're doing well, evaluates them to a T from a skills standpoint. Um, And then I also have this person, you know, their job is to be almost a part like a CIA agent, They've got to read the tea leaves and figure out, you know, in our conference, who might be the person who transfers and they need to rate players that they think are going to transfer so that the day that the transfer portal opens, if there's a player on there that fits a roster need, that, that my team would be prepared for me as the head coach to call up and say, Hey, come let's, let's meet. And so that we can get the first leg up. And so when the transfer portal hits, I mean, the kind of the interesting thing, you know, we joke here at Illini guys, but, you know, the day that Enoch decommitted from Michigan State, Connor had a story up, said this guy would be an excellent fit for Illinois. And here's why. And you almost need somebody on the staff who's doing those type of things because that transfer portal is going to be as important as. As you know, going to the EYBL games and the other things that you build a team with right now, and I think um, I think there's just a lot of um, a lot of things going on um, that you're going to have to watch. The other thing, let's think about it. You know, you let's say you add a staff. You know, the director of of uh, transfer portal, for lack of better term. Um, the other thing that you have to do as, a, as an athletic director is with the transfer portal, you really got to have those meetings with your, um, with your uh, assistant coaches and get raises and bonuses put in place almost immediately after the season because right now there's no limit and maybe they'll do this in the future. But right now, if a coach was to go from team A to team B, players could theoretically follow him with no issue. So you've got to really understand the makeup of your assistant coaches and and where they're at. That doesn't mean that somebody like Kentucky is not going to, you know, rain bags of money that you can't match. Um, But you certainly have to be in the best. You have to have your coaches in the best frame of mind. To defend against that, so the ripples of this transfer portal go all the way up to the athletic department, and it hits the 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 basket, the head coach, you know, and and really the structure of how he and his staff recruit if they need somebody on board to to monitor existing players, which has never happened before. It it, this is really a time of high change, and and I for one was happy to see that that Underwood on Sturdy for 30 um, was talking about how they were really looking at at how they need to do things differently to capitalize on it.
0: I am the Illini talking about the uh, transfer portal here on uh, IlliniGuys.com. I want to get one more question to you guys before we move on and talk about the assistant coaches. And this is for either one of you or both of you or whatever. Um, In terms, and Mike, you kind of touched on this uh, just briefly just now a moment ago Um, your uh, opinion on how uh, the Illinois staff and right now Brad Underwood, because it's just him and one assistant coach, it appears moving forward before they make these other hires. Um, How has he done with the transfer portal? Do you feel that he's made the right moves and um, uh, has got himself in position that uh, Illinois is going to navigate this uh, new world successfully?
2: It's hard to really judge uh, so far, in my opinion, because of the – circumstances surrounding Kofi and the Adam Miller situation and Trey Mitchell kind of being open-ended. I mean, Adam Miller could have came back to Illinois. I think that that was still part of their, their deal if it wanted to be. And Adam Miller kind of chose the route that he wants to go. And I don't blame either one of them for going their directions because I don't think that that the issue that they had in terms of where they thought Adam Miller should be playing. I don't think that was going to be resolved. So I think that that was the best decision for both of them because they're kind of going to get to prove whether or not which one was right in this argument. And Illinois did their best. They got Curbelo coming in at the point guard. You have Trent Frazier that's going to be starting at the shooting guard. So it's not going to be a, a huge problem. You have Plummer that's going to kind of fill that role that maybe Adam Miller didn't want to take, which would have been a bench role next year, depending on who else we have on the roster. And this year, I think the big one to determine how well they've done for this specific class in the transfer portal is going to be whether or not Trey Mitchell comes. Because if he comes, Illinois has a chance to be not only as good as they were this year, but I I could argue that they are the favorite for Next year's national title, if Trey Mitchell comes and Kofi comes back to Illinois, so you know go ahead, go ahead. That that to me is really the the stamp of what grade he gets for this year determines based on those decisions, right there.
0: Yeah, Connor, I would agree with that, and and Mike, I think one thing Connor touched on, and he hit right on the head. Um, very smart at the same time to have Alfonso Plummer right there. You've got to keep recruiting. Uh, you can't hold back and wait for a player in this situation like Miller to decide what he wants to do. He goes out and has somebody else, and you could, you could read the tea leaves that week. Underwood and Plummer have a 40-minute talk on Tuesday night. Wednesday morning, Plummer announces, I'll make my decision on Saturday. Uh, there's a Friday deadline. It appeared for uh, Miller's mom to have a coming-to-Jesus meeting with Underwood in terms of moving forward. That doesn't happen. Plummer comes and takes the roster spot that would have been Adams' And you move forward.
1: Yeah, and and I think I think when you look at the the construction of the roster, you can see that that the staff has really tried to figure out you know what they're going to need next year, and I think they also understand that that the biggest recruiting uh, person that they have isn't in the transfer portal, <clears throat> and that is uh, getting Kofi back. Mm-hmm. So. Um, you know, that's that's really um, something that's, a, a, you know, they've really got to get done because, you know, um, Kofi takes the team from a, you know, expected top 25 to top or 30 team without him, you know, all the way up into, you know, five to 10 range. Um, and I actually think it'd be higher than that if you have good, good um, officiating. Um, And then if you get Trey Mitchell, now you're talking a team that's, you know, one, two or three throughout the season. And, um, you know, in that mix, you know, potentially the way Baylor and Gonzaga were from beginning of the season all the way down to the end. And so I don't know that you can underestimate the value of Kofi to this team next year.
0: And I, yeah. I think right now, you know, as we know, he's in the, you know, he's in the, the NBA drafts. He's going to talk to the NBA people and see he's not in any mock drafts anywhere, but as we've talked before, it just takes one team to fall in love with him and he's gone. Um, but hopefully he does come back. Cause you're right. I don't know if there's a player in the country or a team, in the country that can stop him. I don't know if there's a team in the country that's as deep as what Illinois would be. Uh, when you look at, you know, having a, a player, um, in, uh, possibly a grandison who started for a big 10 champion coming off the bench at a fifth year senior, like plumber who hits 38% from three coming off the bench, that kind of, uh, that kind of maturity in that second unit, um, is just outstanding. Um, let's turn a little bit to, uh, the assistant coach search for Illinois while we have a few minutes left here on this podcast and I, I uh, on the Illini, um, this has been a crazy three weeks. Um, I, I, will, I will start with this. I think that we don't know who the new assistant coaches are going to be. We know now that Antigua and Coleman are going to go to Kentucky unless there's some crazy, bizarre uh, last-minute change. And let's face it, it's, it's the COVID pandemic. Anything could happen at this point. But I don't think it's going to happen. I think Illinois played the Antigua situation as well as they could have. They made Kentucky pause, and UK doesn't pause for anybody. They made them pause. When we heard it was a done deal, it wasn't. And at the same time, by putting the money on the table for Antigua, they show that we will be a major player in college basketball. We will spend top dollar to get the coaches that we want. And number three, they made sure they locked down the recruits and players that they have so there won't be a poaching uh, by a team that won nine games last season of a Big Ten champion. Um, and at the same time, now it appears they will have their choice of assistant coaches to, uh, put into this program moving forward. What are your
1: thoughts? Well, you gotta, you gotta, I'm going to go against what some people on the Illini guy, uh, guys boards are saying, but I got to give, uh, Josh Whitman props for this, you know, as somebody who's run sales teams and you have to figure out who you pay and when you give them, you know, bonuses, et cetera. Um, you know, we can, we can talk about, well, maybe they could have, um, you know, got the coaches together immediately after that Loyola loss, uh, force everybody to come back after they've been in, um, you know, basically in pandemic mode since August. Um, he made the choice, you know, coach Underwood and, and maybe Whitman made the choice to give people some, some time to, you know, air out a little bit. Um, but the, the the bottom line is is I don't think there's anywhere they would have never given a raise that would have scared Kentucky off of Antigua or Coleman. It's I'm sorry, it's just not the way things get done. So no matter what would have been done there, Kentucky would have come after him. Um and then his response or his alleged response, because we don't know exactly, you know, none of us is privy to these things. A lot of it's, you know, news that we get from uh, Brad or, or you you just try to put pieces together. But the idea of, you know, having Antigua with, a, a you know, reputed or alleged four-year deal, um, you know, making him the highest paid assistant in the country, uh, even if that plan doesn't come to fruition with him at university of Illinois, it sends a strong signal throughout college basketball and people who may not have given a darn about the Illinois program, all of a sudden, you know, cock their head and say, well, you know, that might not be a bad place to coach. Um, and so I think that that strategy, and this is where, you know, uh, Whitman wants to win. And, and he also puts some thought into what he does that strategy um, set uh, things in motion for if the situation occurs that you have to replace them. Now, technically, Illinois doesn't have any openings yet, but, you know, we keep hearing that pretty quickly um, they will have a couple of openings. And then depending on, you know, if they're, they have the ability to waive the two-week posting period, which has happened in the past, um, we know there are quite a few people that are interested in the job. Um, the, probably the, the person that we hear the most prominently um, would be Chester Frazier, uh, you know, former uh, point guard who was a tough-as-nails grinder, who has set himself up with some you know, uh, good years at Kansas State and now at Virginia Tech And he is a, you know, a relatively young person for this type of job, but he's also well-known throughout college basketball as an up-and-comer and and the type of person that you want on your staff. Um, We keep hearing that he has interest and, you know, Illinois, if they had an opening, would have interest in him. Uh, Certainly you can go to IlliniGuys.com. If you are a subscriber, please go back into the topics, into the forums area and go into the basketball thing. And you can read about the latest, you know, things going on. But uh, if Frazier is somebody who is selected or chooses to take the job, uh, you know, we'll see if that happens. But if he is, boy, you get a guy who's, who's got a lot of area that he's covered with the Midwest and, and part of the East coast now He's got an Illinois background, which is important, you know, uh, to the to long term stability of the program, and um, he doesn't get into that war of Are you a Mean Streets guy? Are you a uh, you know Mac Irvin fire guy? You know, and and he doesn't run into that crossfire that um, you know you know has has made um, players from mean streets, not as interested in Illinois over the last few years due to Coleman being a, a Mac urban fire uh, proponent. So, you know, maybe that's an option there that that is a good one for the um, for the Illini. Connor, what did you think of Frazier if, if he would be one who was interested and and that was a, a two way street? I have probably uh, a stronger opinion than
2: even you in regards to this one. And I think he is going to be a great hire if it is made. And I wasn't immediately sold on him. But when I started doing research into him, he impresses me. And the, the biggest reason why I think he's going to be successful if he comes to Illinois is because you can just tell that if, if he's coming to Illinois, he's taking an assistant job instead of a place where he's an associate head coach. That means he wants to be at Illinois. This man, he, he bleeds or, orange and blue, and he's going to be trying to sell Illinois like people who have not been a part of the program. I mean, he's going to be selling you as a guy that chose this path and was a guy that maybe isn't as talented as some of the guys that he's going to be recruiting, but he worked his butt off. So he knows what it takes at this level. And the other part that you kind of mentioned with the, uh, the Mac Irvin and the Main Streets, Illinois doesn't want to be a hostage to these two programs where we have to take what they're willing to give us. This man has, you know, a hotbed of recruiting that Virginia Tech is not some huge basketball program and he knows recruits all over the East Coast. And I'm kind of researching which guys he's recruiting, but if If he's recruiting these guys and he has good relationships with these kids, I could see where in the next two classes, Illinois is only really willing to take two guys from Chicago in AJ Casey and JJ Taylor are the only two that Illinois will accept a scholarship offer from. That's how good the recruits that he's going into. If we can really work on these relationships and they can come to fruition, Illinois doesn't have to take you if you don't want to come to Illinois. And that's a good position to be in because Chicago for a long time did not send their best players to Illinois. Jabari Parker, Jalen Brunson, Jalil Okafor, Cliff Alexander. I mean, D Rose there. I mean, there's players from, I mean, we got uh, Jeremy Richmond and he was the only five-star in like a 15 year period that we got from Illinois to go to Illinois. So if you don't want to come to Illinois, we, we can go and get someone else. But if you want to be here, we'd love to have you. And that's a much better place than where we were at previously. So Chester Frazier, by all means, if he, if he wants to come, I think that his resume speaks for itself. And I think he's going to do a damn good job selling it to other kids. You know, I
0: think that uh, that's one thing about Underwood and and even the staff as it's been uh, all this time um, is that they have not been held hostage by Chicago. You know, I mean, you know, look at the kids you've gotten out of New York and, you know, Griffin and Coburn and uh, Corbello. And, uh, you know, we'll have more. We've talked before. We'll have more players who hail from Puerto Rico than hail from the land of Lincoln. Um, and I have no problem with that. You know, I think that to your point, get the best kids out of Chicago. But if you don't want to come here or if your people don't want to send you here, okay, We'll go to California, get a 6'10", power forward, who's a four-star kid over there. And we'll go to New York and get a seven-footer. And we'll go to, you know, we'll go wherever we have to go. Um, so, but in talking about that, Chester Frazier, if he is the guy, will work Chicago uh, without bias toward any team. And that leaves uh, the national spot open. Uh, some really interesting names, a name like Mike Meniga, um from Oregon who played at Rantoul, and, and I actually – did play by play of his a couple of his games in high school um, on WLBH and Mattoon way back when that kid was an underclassman at Rantoul.
1: Larry, um, you're old. you this is a Larry's I know. old uh, it is. Larry's old alert. It's,
0: it is, it is. It's a Larry Larry, that's right. Hey, listen, listen. On my license plate, it says AARP. Don't you make fun of me about that.
1: Well, and and I'm older than you, so I have nowhere to go. (laughs) That's
0: right. I was going to say, yours does too. Um, You know, There's a guy like Menega who could be out there, but some other names that are really interesting that I think um, could keep that New York York pipeline open. um, And again, um, keep Illinois in the national conversation for years to come.
1: Yeah, I I tell you, when you look at some of the reputed names, um, I'll be honest with you. Um, I didn't know who Kamani Young was until 48 hours ago. And then I've immersed myself in research. And when you take a look at the people that he's recruited, um, you take a look at the programs where he's been, um, the, the ground he's covered, even going back to playing for Don Haskins at uh, Texas Tech. This guy is very exciting And even looking at some of the things he's done to help the community uh, outside of his coaching, uh, the man has a legacy there as well. So um, I looked at him as being a really uh, exciting candidate. Um, And again, you know, he's had the the recruiting at uh, UConn has popped up significantly in his tenure, and he is he is one that. as I familiarize myself with him, I'm like, holy cow, this guy would be fantastic to have on board, uh, at the Illini.
2: Yeah. I too did not know who Kamani Young was and, uh, another associate head coach, which certainly means that he's going to be wanting to come to Illinois, which is a big part of the job. And this is UConn. So this is, this is not like, a a lateral job or this is a lateral job in terms of programs so he's going to want to be here and that's that's a big part of it he's also going to be really good with guards because as we know UConn is just seems to be a factory for producing NBA guards and they have another one in book this year so he has the the track record so if he can just keep that up he can be a guy that can get the entire East coast with him and potentially Frazier.
1: Yeah. And, and when you look at him, obviously uh, an excellent name, we're also hearing um, Van Macon, uh, another uh, guy from Queens. Um, and he has, you know, a lot of uh, roots in New York city and another guy who has an impressive record um, and has recruited folks up and down the East Coast, so uh, you've got some some opportunities there. You know, again, I'm not saying anything against Van Maken because he's got an he's got an excellent um, you know uh, track record working at uh, you know St. Louis as well, um, and and you see what he's done over his career. Um, just seems to be a guy that would be really, really exciting to have. Um, and again, nothing against him, but Kamani, you know, um, Kamani Young just is an incredible resume. So when you take a look at names like that, and we didn't even get into Meninga, um, there's a guy who's been uh, stellar at, at uh, Oregon, and, you know, when you look at his resume, that team has had some unbelievable exce- success during, um, you know, his tenure there, which is he's in his seventh season, but um, they've been to five NCAA tournaments in that time frame and a eight, a final four and a sweet 16. So when you see Illinois associated with names like this you go back to a couple things. You go back to the last two years when we would have had a run last year. And then this year we had that incredible run through the big 10 tournament and, and earning a number one seed. Um, so you have coach Underwood's reputation that he brought here and the excellence that's, that's now becoming a uh, line. basketball and you have what Whitman did to set the table by defending the flanks with, antigua and coleman so you know those are three powerful names for your top uh guy um and and so you know when when you are in a position where you could have two associate head coaches um on one staff uh that leads you to a place where you can be developmental with that third role um uh, one of the you know jeff alexander is one who's being looked at for that role Um, obviously he does fantastic work. He's X's and O's guy, but he's also very personable. You don't hear any of the red flag things. You know, sometimes when you hear about an X's and O's guy, you know, you get that. Yeah. But like, oh man, he knows basketball, but you don't want him on the recruiting trail. You know, this, this guy is well-respected amongst coaches in Illinois. Um, certainly if you believe in inherited traits, uh, his family, is a basketball family. If, if, and that's probably an understatement to say with the ties to Lincoln. Um, but you've got a guy here who, who also uh, you know, if he's one who gets a lot of interest for that third position um, that would be good. Um, and you just, you just don't know where the, the staff is where, where uh, coach Underwood's going to decide to go. And, um, There's obviously going to be more names that probably get looked at. There may be names that even with the biggest insider that there is for Illinois sports, Brad Sturdy, being an Illini guy founder, we may not know every single name, but we'll know more than anybody else. (laughs) Um, And, and, and it's really encouraging to see this because we go back to let's go back to just not that long ago, you know, when we had a different athletic director And we were forced to hire coaches that we all, you know, for head coaches that we would shake our head. Like, how did we get down to this guy? So you're seeing a real difference from the top of the uh, DIA with with Whitman. You're seeing it with the way Underwood and Belima handle things. And I think this assistant coaching search is kind of proving that um, Illinois is here to win. And it's not going to be those nebulous, uh, you know, things that we saw in the past, where, you know, just be competitive and don't ever get in the red from an expense standpoint. So it's nice to have some of those things out of the way, where we can just go and say, let's get some talent, let's get the talent at a head coach. And you know, um, I don't know that there was any head coach that was better than Underwood the year that we hired him. Um, and if you look at, uh, you know, bringing on Antigua was a, nobody thought we would have an assistant coach of that magnitude. Um, and now we're going to a second generation where we've got a lot of great names that are involved in this. The only thing, now I'm I'm a vision guy, Larry, you know, I kind of dream big. That's what I always do. And the only thing that I might do differently, and, and I don't know that Illinois hasn't already done this, but I might call, uh, you know, Baldwin's. Uh, dad up at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee and say, hey, um, you got a five-star son, and we'd love to have a 6'9 small forward lining up next to Kofi and maybe even Trey Mitchell and Kerbello and Hutcherson. Um, why don't you come here and be an assistant coach here with us and uh, you stay here for a year or two? We win a national title. And then you go from UW-Milwaukee to a power five, uh, uh, you know, come here for a couple of years and then step into a a power five conference coaching role. And I'm not saying that that's even a realistic thing, but as a guy who's a vision guy looks for the, I do tend to occasionally look for the home run. um, That would be a phone call or or at least a, a line of pursuit that I would attempt to see if it's there, Um, you know, and, and you may have to, you know, you may have to hire Bergeron um, for that third position. So there's, there's a lot of permutations that are out there and really the only way to kind of keep up with it is to be at IlliniGuys.com where (laughs) you're going to get it, you know, you're going to get it up to the minute, you know, I mean, even as we're on, even as we're on the podcast, and this is not a um, anything that's made up folks, but, you know, Kedrick Prince was, was on the message boards and sharing some information that was, that was pretty groundbreaking. So these are the things, you know, I had a a buddy of mine who uh, uh, sent me an email and he said, did you know that Chin Coleman looks like he might leave Illinois for Kentucky? And I sent him an email back and I said, his name's Mike. I'm like, Mike, if you would join, you would have been aware of that quite some time ago. That's guys.com.
0: Yeah, that's true. We've actually uh, have have known this has been going on for almost three weeks now, to be honest. I mean, I think it was, uh, I believe it was April 16th. We first heard about all this going on. Um, You know, uh, I want to kind of wrap this up with getting some predictions from you guys. As we sit here right now, as we're recording this and, Things are so fluid, I want to say that because you know somebody make up in 24 hours and we have all these positions filled. Uh, both of you guys, give me your, your best guesses. Who our three assistant coaches will be when we start the season this fall?
2: I think Chester is going to be one of them. And I think Kamani Young is going to be the second one or vice versa, one, two. But the third one, I don't know if we can Gentry still has the job technically to this point. So it's hard for me to predict the third one, but if he's out, then I would assume Jeff Alexander would be the, the option there.
1: Yeah. And like I said, you know, we are, we are speculating about uh, uh, three roles that are, don't exist right now. Uh, They're, they're, they're occupied by people. Um, but assuming that, you know, um, Antigua and Coleman do leave, we've got two and I would be very, very happy with, uh, Kamani Young and, um, Chester Frazier. And then if we did have a third one, certainly Jeff Alexander would be, um, a worthy hire for that. And, and when that's your third coach, that's a pretty good coach, um, and I would also be very aggressive at looking at what else you know, was out there. Again, I would look at Baldwin Senior. Um, I would look at Meninga and see what we have if there's an opportunity. Um, because I do think if you have a staff that has um, this type of talent, you know that you're gonna be replacing them because they will go out and they will get a job that moves them up to the next level. And by my way of thinking, um, you know, maybe we start, you know, in, in, if the hires are good now, you know, five or six years from now, we're talking about the Underwood coaching tree. And um, when I look at some of the people he's interviewing uh, I'm, I'm thinking that this coaching tree is going to be very strong and the one thing that I think Underwood does that, uh, that a lot of the coaches who are successful in terms of creating a tree that is successful is Underwood gives a lot of responsibility to his coaches. Underwood does not control every detail. He lets his coaches use their skills to get things done and I'm telling you right now, if you want to, to move your career up, you don't go to a micromanager who tells you everything you need to do. You go to somebody who basically gives you a vision and then lets you accomplish it. So uh, the, the brutal thing is, and you can go to the Harvard Business Review and check this stuff out. I mean, this is the way it, the, it works. But um, if you're an assistant basketball coach and you want to maximize your career, you work for a guy like Underwood. You don't work for a control freak and you can you can place whatever coach you want to into that. But the control freak coaches, they don't have uh, coaching trees that are very good. The guys who let the people use their skill sets and find a way to, to get things done and, and the coaches look at themselves more as a guide to help them achieve goals, those are the guys you want to work for. And I do think that Underwood is positioned very well to develop people. Um, and, and again, with a few of these names, I'm hearing right here, the Underwood coaching tree might be a thing and it may not be as long down the future as we think it is.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. When you think about, I think about coaching trees, uh, I don't know if they're any more successful than Jim Boeheim and Rick Pitino in terms of what they have produced and keep producing down the line. And you're right. Underwood could be in that uh, in that category. Well, we will uh, leave it at that with this podcast. As as Mike and Connor have mentioned, um, lot guyscom is uh, is has been on top of this from the beginning. As you said, co-founder Brad Sturdy has been um, all over this story, and um, we really appreciate everyone who has come on board here in recent weeks to make sure that uh, you're a part of it and the first to know what's happening. And again, if this uh, coaching thing is a surprise to you, it's only because you're not a part of a guys.com, if we've been telling this for weeks, uh, what's been going on. It's Loxia uh, sorry, the final word, go ahead.
1: Yeah. Um, one last thing. I'm, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to date the podcast too much, but for those of you who are listening, you know, if you are a member on Thursday, the 6th of May by 5. PM, we will be having yet another subscriber Zoom call that Brad will be answering questions and people will be able to discuss you know, what's going on with the Illini. Um, we do these regularly. We apologize. We don't want to take you away from your families, but we do know that when we have customers who are paying for news, that means we need to work in the evening and get you uh, updated as often as we can. So it is another subscriber, Zoomcast, cast, you know, where your zoom call, where you can talk to Brad, um, Brad goes through, gives you a great overview. He answers questions. Um, and, and that's really one of the things as, as you're listening to this, um, boy, it'd be a good time to join. You can see what that is like. And, um, once you've been through a zoom call, um, you know, you really don't miss them after you've been there. (laughs) And, you know, with this and the transfer portal, I think we're going to be working some overtime hours, but if you have to work overtime, you might as well work at doing something you love and we all love the Illini. So we'd love to have you here for that zoom call tomorrow night.
0: Absolutely. And uh,
1: well said, and those
0: things have uh, gotten larger each time we've done it the last one we maxed out at a hundred it was, uh, we we're turning people away, but we've taken care of that now. So we'll get everybody in, make sure that you uh, sign in and uh, get a part of that. Well, as uh, we have said all along, as Mike's, uh, his mantra is that he created from day one, whether you, you know, live in Champaign or Chicago or halfway across the country or halfway around the world, IlliniGuys.com, as you covered all things Illini. We're excited on the things that are going on now, excited as we build toward the summer and uh, the next season. And look forward to our next podcast here on Eye on the Illini. So for Illini guy, Mike, Illini guy, Connor, I'm Illini guy, Larry, I-L-L. I-N-I.